Welcome to the Music Grind Podcast. This is episode 9. Welcome back to the Music Grind, the uh, podcast where I talk to working musicians to kind of get uh, a day in the life perspective. And if it's your first time listening, thanks for listening, and I hope you continue to listen. I hope you enjoy it. So speaking of working musicians, the here in Florida, the wedding season is now upon us. We're in the middle of October. Uh, nobody, apparently, nobody wants to get married in the heat and humidity of the summer months of Florida. So we have a, a season here that runs roughly from October to May, uh, maybe a little bit more than that, depending on where you are. But we are definitely in the wedding season now. And I, uh, along with many other working musicians, are in our busiest time of the year actually the holidays like the christmas holidays will be busier um you know with christmas parties some people have halloween parties uh people are getting married you know new year's eve is a big night for working musicians and uh, we're going to talk about that not today but we will get around to that and speaking of halloween parties that reminds me um you know often we'll go dressed up uh, you know, depending on what the event is, but we'll go dressed up too. And people, uh, a lot of people in the audience, um, a lot of people in the audience go dressed up. The band does too. And one year I went as one of the blue men group. Uh, I was one of the blue men of the blue man group. And um, that was fun. It took, a, it took a lot of paint, you know, surprisingly a lot of paint. And my friend Sammy, uh, Sammy Fusek, Samantha Lee, uh, she took a while to put paint on my head, like my whole head. Think of my whole face and head was covered with blue paint, my hands. And um, I tried, I tried, I tried, but the bass that I was playing that night did not survive. There was paint uh, all over it where my, where my hands were. Uh, I cleaned it off eventually, but there was no escaping it. Anyways, that's my Halloween story. Uh, check out the Instagram that I have for this podcast uh, at Music Grind Podcast. Email address is Music Grind Podcast at Gmail. And I just got a new web address, Music Grind Podcast.com. So it's very simple, very easy to remember. Music Grind Podcast. Everything. Music Grind Podcast. Cool. Today I have. Uh, a good friend of mine, Erica DeSegli, uh, she's, I interviewed her and you will hear it today. She's a singer songwriter and an assistant music director at a local church. Now, um, this is what, this is what has to happen, you know, for working musicians. Oftentimes we're not able to do just one thing to maintain ourselves, to maintain our family. We do several things and, being an assistant music director for her has been able to um, has been able to help her maintain her family, maintain her own career, and and grow her own career. You know, and um, 
that's just the way it is. And we're going to hear more about that. She talks about how she got into that job, what, um, what that job entails. And this is, you know, a day in the life. What is, what does it mean to be an assistant music director? What does it mean to be a, an independent singer songwriter trying to book your own shows, that kind of thing. Um, she's, she's originally from up North. She went to New York and, and, you know, try to make a run of it uh, like many people do on Broadway and she made her way down here to Florida now she's uh, building her career here in Florida so without any further ado Erica Disegli Thanks for doing this uh, this interview. Um, tell me about how you got started in music. Awesome. Okay, so thanks for having me. And um, it was from a very young age. Um, it almost all kind of happened simultaneously. I think. Um, I think it was around seven years what old. What happened simultaneously? What happened? All... Oh, you'll you'll find out soon. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Weave a tale. Um, So my godparents, um, Aunt Teresa and Uncle Peanut, had, um, well, she's a musician. She's a piano player. And they have this beautiful home in Jefferson, Maine. And I remember going there as a little girl, and she had this magnificent music room with two grand pianos facing each other. And I remember going there for family gatherings and whatnot and thinking, I really want to go to that music room. But I wasn't sure if I was supposed to go to the music room. Like I wasn't sure if I was allowed to go in there because everyone's down by the lake or in the kitchen or something. But I always wanted to go into the music room. Um, And I can just remember the magic of that room and how it would feel when I would get there and sit down at one of the two grand pianos that were in there. and I think, I, as I was saying, I was about seven when she started coming over with a little tiny electronic keyboard to my house and started teaching me a little bit about how to play the piano. And I think she was... Did she know that you wanted to go into the music room and then she brought the thing to you? I don't know. That's, that is um, something I was actually... As I was thinking about this, <laughs> I was wondering that. I'm like, hmm, did she notice? Or was she just trying to share the gift of music with me, which I think is very possible? Um, and as I said, they were my godparents, so they you know, looked out for me as I was growing up. And um, so she started coming to my house with this little like, electronic keyboard and to teach me some just real basic starter lessons, maybe to see if it was something that was going to click with me or not. Well, it did. It totally clicked. And um, before I knew it, they actually gave me one of the greatest gifts of my entire life. Um, She lent to me on long-term an upright piano that they had. And now, keep in mind, they still had the two beautiful grand pianos in the music room. I don't know where the upright one came from, but that upright piano stayed with me in my house growing up on 39 School Street in Augusta, Maine, um, from the time I was eight till I was a junior in high school. And that was in my music room. Um, it was a sunroom on the side of the house, um, windows all around, and 
I would just go there every day after school. And that's all I wanted to do. I would just pour through every lesson book, every song book. Yeah. Did she keep teaching you lessons the whole time? She did not. I started taking lessons from the next person who I feel is one of the most influential people in my life, who was my piano teacher, Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. So... So I did. I started taking lessons from Marsha, and um, every Wednesday afternoon, I remember very clearly going to her house on uh, Western Avenue and, and taking lessons. And um, it soon followed suit that I wanted to sing along with my playing, and I always did. I was always singing while I was playing. So that just grew into, oh, start, people started noticing, oh, she's... She's a singer. <laughs> we should have her singing too. So um, even at my piano recital, Marsha would have me sing a solo at the piano recital. Or I started getting solos in school, you know, um, at the various school plays. I started doing musical theater locally. Um, that's all I wanted to do. That's it. I just wanted to sing and play the piano and perform. For fun? Or did you did you have an inkling that you wanted to do this oh, yes. for a living? I wanted to go to New York City from the time I was a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. You knew about New York City as a kid? I did because I lived in this little teeny tiny small town in Maine and I thought I just if I could just get to Boston. <laughs> If I could just get to Boston uh-huh. where they have billboards on the side of the roads, that would be like big. Yeah. And, and then we did. My mom and I uh, moved when I was um, a junior in high school, and we moved to Plymouth, Mass., which is real close to Boston. So that was very pivotal for me as well because I spent the summers um, working at some summer stock theater on the Cape. Yeah. And uh, let's see. So but just rewinding just a little bit, going back to my music room in Augusta, Maine, um, I can still remember all the pieces of sheet music because that was like back in the day when it was a big deal to go to the music store and buy sheet music. You know, I don't know if it was a dollar fifty or something for a piece of sheet music at that time. And I had my favorites were um, the Rainbow Connection. I loved playing that one. And I can still see the notes on the page. And um, Saving All My Love For You, that was the Whitney Houston uh-huh. song that I sang over and over and over again. And, um, and Bruce Hornsby's The Way It Is. And I loved those pieces of sheet music. And that was also really magical. And it's so different now because we just go online and download anything we want or, or contact one of our talented musician friends to chart it for us. Yeah. You can download <laughs> charts, the same charts. I mean, I'm sure you can find that Bruce Hornsby chart online. Oh, yeah. You totally can. But it's, it's different than like holding that you know, like the, yeah, the actual paper, the, the copy with the picture of the CD cover <laughs> art on the front, and you know, were you were were you practicing that song, for instance, like that, um, the uh, the, the Bruce Hornsby, yeah, the way mm-hmm. it is, um, that's one of the ones you were learning at that time. Mm-hmm. That's great. I mean, I that might be like you know more towards my. 12 and 13 year old days, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I definitely started out with the good old Hal Leonard (laughs) (laughs) lesson books and, and, um, and the other thing I love to do also, and I literally did it all year long to the point where my mother probably wanted to kill me was, um, and I still have this book. It's a, 
an album of, of all the Christmas songs, every Christmas song you could ever want in in a book. And that's uh, one of the gifts that my Aunt Teresa also gave me. And I still have it. It's over in my music room currently. Um, but I would. I would play all the Christmas songs. It didn't matter. December, I mean, July. Christmas happens every year. So it's <laughs> it good to around. have that. Uh, who are your top three musical influences? Not necessarily, just top three, mm-hmm. independent of instrument. So um, if I wasn't in the music room playing the piano, I was up in my bedroom playing the record player. Um, I had some old records of my mom's. Um, definitely Carol King. Oh. Okay. Um, definitely Linda Ronstadt and, and the Eagles. Those were my three favorite albums at that time. I listened to them. Uh, which which Eagles repeat. album? Uh, and which had, Linda al- album, actually? Oh, gosh, the Linda album. It's the one that has, like, a maroon cover, and she's, like, uh, like a little vignette of a photo on the front. What album is that? I don't, know, I don't even know the name of the album. I'll find that. I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> but I out. do know all the words on that album. I don't know the name of the album, but I can tell you. Um, I can sing along with all the tunes. And, um, and, and Whitney Houston, too. She was definitely, definitely very influential. Oh, and sorry, you said three, but three, one more. Yeah. Liza Minnelli. That's five. Liza? Really? <laughs> well, because I was doing the musical theater thing. Oh, okay. And I was really into into that. I, I almost met her one time. I went to see her at a show in Boston. I thought it was going to get backstage to see her. It didn't work out. Um, I even had flowers for her. <laughs> they died. Oh, <laughs> wow. No, um, but yeah, th- those are my those are my three. Um, it's hard to just. Or, well, that was five. I'm sorry. Those are your five. Um, yeah. Those are my five, and of course there are many. It would have been harder with many just three. more, of course. Yeah. But uh, you got to narrow it down. So. Uh, so how did you then go from practicing in your in your uh, music room and doing all this, and now you now you're living in Plymouth, Mass? How did you go to being a professional? So. Um, Definitely throughout all my high school years, I did a lot of musical theater, um, mostly community theater, but some summer stock as well. And I all I knew all along that I wanted to go to New York City and pursue a, a career in musical theater and be on Broadway, be a big Broadway star. Um, like Liza. Like Liza. And so <laughs> it made sense for me to go to AMDA, the American Musical and Dramatic Academy, which is a school in New York City for the performing arts. And I, I went and I auditioned and I remember the outfit I wore. How old were you at this point? I was 18. Okay. Fresh out of high school. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That was, um, I applied to two colleges. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And What was the other one? I, I applied to NYU. Oh, still. <clears throat> Great. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, in hindsight, I still... I, maybe I should, maybe I should have, could have, would have gone to NYU too. That would have, that would have been really great too. Um, but at the time I, I just wanted to do the arts. I didn't, I wasn't concerned so much at that point in my life with furthering my education. Oh yeah. Otherwise. You know. Right. Yeah. So, but I got accepted to AMDA. So I went and, um, it was great. I mean, I remember, <laughs> 
we drove uh, with all my stuff in the back of the truck, and my parents left me at the Lucerne, which was the dorm <laughs> that I was to live in. It was a rat trap, let me <laughs> tell you. My parents were like mortified that they were leaving me. They were like, I can't believe we're leaving you here. I know, but this is so great. I'm in New York City. Yeah, yeah. I was so excited. I didn't care that there was plaster falling from the ceiling and that I actually had to get mouse traps for my room um, <laughs> <laughs> or that my roommates were crazy. Um, so I, I studied there for two years at AMDA um, and it was great. And I learned so much about being a performer and, and, and how to survive basically because um, survive what living in New York City okay. and dealing with rejection and which is such a huge part of this business this whole industry and yeah. if you can't handle that then mm. go do something else because <laughs> because <laughs> um, it's hard even for the toughest of us out there um, at times um, so. So New York was great and, and school was great. Um, and I, I love musical theater and I, I loved it then. And, but there was still some, I remember sitting in some of the classes, um, at AMDA feeling like this is awesome, but I kind of just want to be a singer in a band. I remember thinking that while I was at school for musical theater. And is I, that, how, how early did you have that thought? I was probably nineteen. Oh, so it was, so I, up until then, you 18, were, it was 19. just up until then it was just musical theater, musical theater, and then mm -hmm. suddenly a band. Well, I always wanted to be a singer. Yeah. Um, but I had always found my place as a singer doing musical theater, and I hadn't really had any kind of other opportunities except for I did sing some weddings and and things. I had my first professional paid wedding gig when I was 14. Wow. That was exciting. I sang an Enya song. <laughs> Which one? I can't remember. It's some, something about uh, On Your Shore, I think. I think there's a song called called On Your Shore. Okay. I, I think there is. I have to, I'd have to relearn it. It's been a little while. Um, but every time I go past that church, because it was um, in Wiscasset, which is on the way to the coast in Maine, and I go there every summer, um, I drive past that church and I'm like, that's where I had my that's, first kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I was starting to feel like maybe I just want to be a singer though. And um, I was also starting to go out, you know, on to the scene in New York city and Greenwich village and see live bands. Yeah. And, and I was, my musical taste was changing and I was starting to listen to a lot of, you know, indie kind of artists, that kind of thing. And so anyway, I was definitely shifting. Yeah. Um, and, and then I met my husband and we moved here. And so that was pretty much it for the musical theater Broadway dream. Once you got here to Florida, I, I did try to pursue it in some, um, fashion, but there's, it's a really tough, um, town here for musical theater. And, um, yeah. there's just not a lot of work. Um, and, and a lot of the work is, you know, they hire out the equity people from far away, or if you live here, you can't be equity. And if you are that, 
doesn't help you. It's just, it's just complicated. So I found that there wasn't as much work for me here um, in in that vein. Were you equity while you were in New York? I never was never, equity, no. no. Not even here? No, I never pursued it. Um, okay. I did, um, well, let's see. Are we to Florida now? Uh, we we haven't gotten to like, well, you did mention, actually, you did mention your first professional gig, but now, yeah, now you've moved here, you okay. met your husband, you move, moved here. Yes. So. So moving uh, here was really tough for a while and I'm so thankful that I live here now and I've been thankful to be here for a very long time, but it was really hard at first. Why? Um, because I didn't want to leave New York City. I loved New York City. Um, I wasn't letting go yet of my Broadway dreams, and being here wasn't helping that. Yeah, at all. I mean, you literally left Broadway. Yeah, I of left. Course. Yeah. Um, so, and of course, when 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 I got here, I, I mean, I wasn't getting any um, work that was music related. I was working in a restaurant, and even that restaurant wasn't as awesome as the restaurant that I was working at in New York City. It was a totally different scene as far as even that goes. Um, so it was just hard. It was hard for a while. And I definitely was feeling like maybe I was losing um, touch of my dreams. Maybe like, oh yeah, what am I going to do? You know? Right. Um, and as a singer, musician, creative artist person, you have to do that. And if you're not doing that, it doesn't feel right. And it's, it's not a good situation for a person that wants that and right. has that inside of them. Um, and now, mind you, I haven't played the piano now for like two years Oh, because now you're in New York and you don't have a piano with you and all. Okay, right. My godmother lent me that, that piano, and and but when I moved away, she took it back, oh. which is fine. I understand. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, and that I didn't have a piano in New York City. I mean, there were practice rooms and whatnot, but um, I didn't really make time for that at that point in my life. Um, it was enough just to get to class and do what I had to do and, and also work because I was also working to pay the bills for the apartment that I had, you know, all sure. that. Um, so I just didn't do a lot of, um, well, I didn't do any, I didn't, I didn't play the piano at all the whole time I was in New York city. Um, and then we moved here and there was really no musical work for me. And I was working at this restaurant. Um, and I don't know how I heard about it. But there is this, this is my first musical job once I finally found something. So it's this uh, place called Homestyle Harmony, and it was on Gulf to Bay Boulevard in Clearwater. It's now a Chinese restaurant, <laughs> in case you want to get some good Chinese food. Um, some sweet and sour chicken, <laughs> um, egg rolls. So this was an establishment um, in which we were waitstaff and we served up southern home good fried cooking to all of the mostly senior citizen people who came. Um, It was very, very much banquet style. 
and um, like, are you going to have the chicken and potatoes or the pork and potatoes or, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and everybody gets cobbler when they're done or (laughs) chocolate cake. Um, But we had to wear um, a pager on our um, little apron. Um, and as we were serving, we were singing all of the old songs that you would love to hear if you grew up in, say, the 20s, 30s, or 40s. Oh, like, Americans. Five foot two, eyes of blue. Oh, what those five feet could do. Like all those kind of songs. Yeah, right. And we're singing them as we're serving the food. Acapella? It's just a bunch of waiters and waitresses running yeah, around just, singing acapella? Yes, I think wow. we were singing it acapella. <laughs> This is going back a little ways too. Well, anyway, that part of the job was fine. Yeah. And at least I was, you know, kind of getting into a musical um, job, yeah. you know, I'm still waiting tables, but I'm like, you know, getting up there. The best part of the job though, was the reason why we wore the pagers was there is um, a stage and a, a parlor and they called it the parlor show. And um, throughout the evening, the parlor show would go maybe three times or so. It was like a 45 minute like um, dinner theater kind of thing. And each of the wait staff would go in and have their song. So if you're serving the chicken and the mashed potatoes and your pager goes off, you said, oh, got to go. It's my turn. I'll be back. So what happened to the the person that didn't get their food? They just have to wait. (laughs) And they were totally fine with that because they're like, oh, we're going to see her in the parlor show later. Yeah, they knew what they were getting into. Yes, yes. (laughs) So we would go and we would sing our song. And and that was great because now I'm on stage and I'm in under lights. Yeah, now you're doing what you want to do. Now I'm performing, right? right? And that's how I met Stan Collins. Oh, the (laughs) inimitable. Yes. So he was the accompanist for the parlor shows. And, um, we were amiable and everything, but we didn't really become friends really at that time, you know, that much. Um, but I did work my way up to being a parlor show host. So then I didn't have to wait tables anymore. And I was, I was like the MC mm-hmm. in the parlor show, like for the whole night. Um, well, so that was great. I finally had my my little show, you know, finally singing, doing what I love and getting paid. We got paid pretty well too. Um, I mean, maybe 125 bucks a night or something. It was pretty good, you know, for a dinner theater. Plus tips. Right. On a Tuesday or whatever, you know, and I'm doing what I want to do and I'm 20 years old. So I'm like, this is great, you know? Right. Um, well the place, um, sadly, Went bankrupt. I guess people didn't want to hear those old songs <laughs> any longer. And um, so that was the end of that job. Um, and then what happened after that? Well, well let's let's fast yeah, forward a sure. little bit because now you're doing um, you're doing some other stuff. You are pursuing your dreams. Before we yes. get to that. Um, one of the things that you know I've talked about with people here on this podcast and even talking about this is uh, that sometimes you have to do multiple things. You know True. what I mean? Like you can't just do one thing in music and play one style and you're going to live and uh, subsist off of that. True. So one of the things you're doing, mm-hmm. I know, is um, you're an assistant music director at, yes. a, at a Catholic church. 
um, in Pinellas County. So tell me, how did that happen and what mm-hmm. is what does that mean being an assistant music director? Yes. So that's actually a perfect segue because I would say that that's exactly what happened after Homestyle Harmony. Ah, good. All right. <laughs> well, like, there you go. What the heck am I going to do next? Um, well, you know, you should always listen to your mother, right? Uh, is that the moral of the story? Anybody who's listening, listen to your mother. Okay. Even when you don't think you should. My mom said to me, you know, Erica, maybe you should just go sing at the church. You don't have any work singing or playing music or doing theater. So why don't you go sing at the church? At least you'll be singing. So did she did she mean professionally or just like go and sing she and just volunteer? Meant just go to a church and yeah. start singing. <laughs> there you go. And <laughs> this is the church that's closest to my home. And so this is where I came, the St. Jerome's. Um, and uh, I joined the... It was called the Life Teen Band at the time. It's basically like the praise team. It's the Sunday evening mass that does all of the contemporary music geared towards the younger people of the congregation. Um, But the older people like it too. (laughs) (laughs) They secretly tell me all the time. Um, So I started singing and I quickly became a a cantor or soloist. Cantor is a fancy Catholic way of saying soloist. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And that I think I joined at just the beginning of the summer of um, 2001. And by the end of the summer, the woman who was the assistant music director was leaving. She gave her her resignation and they needed um, a new assistant music director to lead that mass. And one of the women who is still in the group to this day, uh, Jody, I owe all of this to her. Um, she said to me, why don't you do it, Erica? And I said, you're crazy. I don't want that job. I can't do that. I haven't played the piano for four years. I can't sing and play at the same time anymore. I No way. I'm not doing that. Well, anyway, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the to start out, it was... It was rough. Didn't matter how much preparation time I put into it. Um, because I hadn't played for a while. It, it's not like riding a bike. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> well, what, were, what was tough? What were your duties there? Well, um, to select the music, um, lead rehearsal, lead mass, which meant playing and singing. Okay. Um, and... I was uh, just not familiar with a lot of the music yet because I had just joined. I mean, it was like, join the church and now you're the director. And you're, yeah. And, it, to, and to clarify, uh, for anyone who isn't Catholic or has never been to Mass, mm-hmm. it's like specific music at specific time. You have to know which song to play, right? Yes. When the priest does this, yes. you play this. Yes. And then the priest says this mm-hmm. and you play this mm-hmm. and so forth and so forth. Right. There's definitely a a timeline to follow from the beginning all the way through till the end, um, which you, I mean, you just get used to that. And um, 
definitely, it's not unlike having a script or something yeah. to follow. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Um, once you know it mm-hmm. and understand it, it's fine. And there's a lot of room for um, to to add your your creativity to it because you are. We have certain songs that you can select each week um, according to the readings. You know, you try to keep with the theme. Is the right. theme faith? Like, what are you? What what songs do I know that really like embrace the theme of faith? Right. And then you find those and and you include those in the lineup. Um, so, so when I first started, though, um, I, I literally thought I was not going to be able to like follow it through. I told Tom Kurt, the director here, I said, I can't, I can't do this. I, <laughs> I feel like I'm going to throw up every night after mass. Like I was so nervous. It just got to me so much. Um, but I worked through it because they made me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, well, and also I wanted to, I did want to, mm-hmm. but I just, I, I haven't been that nervous ever for anything ever since that time. And of course though, with repetition and I mean, now I love it and I, I don't even think twice about it and it's very natural to me. And, um, has has your job changed over the years? Yes. Yes. Um, I was originally hired to lead that mass and to make the cantor schedule to schedule the singers for the weekend masses. Um, but since then, um, definitely taking on some more responsibilities. I now direct the children's choir. We call them the spirit singers, and they do have a lot of spirit. Yeah. They're so cute. And they're a lot of fun to work with. Um, I have had a junior choir called Cantabile. Um, it's currently, we're, we're needing more members currently, so we're kind of like, it's a little on the slow side right now. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we're going to get that going again this year. Um, I mean, I've accompanied for the adult choir, uh, which was really great for me um, at the time because it really forced me to spend more time practicing at the piano. Um, it wasn't playing just your um, average praise and worship songs that have three chords and improvising whatever I felt like playing. It was actually playing what are the notes on this page. Right. <laughs> and sometimes maybe not in a key that I wanted to play in, yeah. <laughs> like a lot of flats or something. Right. Because it's more um, traditional liturgical music. That's For the that's adult you, choir, the, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they do, you know, choral pieces that yeah. have, you know, like significant accompaniment. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that also opened up a lot of doors for me because when I was with the adult choir and, and the adult choir at St. Jerome's is wonderful, by the way, um, a wonderful, amazing, loving, prayerful group of people and devoted to, to the music ministry. Um, but as a companist for the chorale, I had the opportunity to go to Italy and to go to um, Ireland as nice. the accompanist. So that was amazing. Italy, the Vatican? Yes. We went to the Vatican. We went, to, we sang um, at high mass for the Pope. Wow. Um, yes. And we went to Florence and Venice and... Which Pope? Um, John Paul? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it was wonderful. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. 
and and then Ireland got to go there too and 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 be immersed in the beauty of the land there, the Cliffs of Moher, and singing at all these quaint little like cathedral churches and little countrysides, you know. Um, so so working at St. Jerome definitely has been a catalyst for me to become a better musician and um, to be involved in music. Um, and also being in music ministry is very rewarding. Um, you know, you do a lot of very... Um, special occasions. I mean, we, 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 Christmas, obviously, and Easter, and I mean, and every Sunday is special, you know, church is special no matter what. Um, but also there's the funeral ministry. So singing for people at that time in their lives is obviously very important. And I take it very seriously. And, and sadly, we do a lot of it at St. Jerome's. Um, we have a, significantly older community. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of funerals, not so many weddings, some, <laughs> <laughs> but not as many as we'd like. We'd like to have more weddings. Right. Um, so that's definitely been my, um, my foundation for my music um, career. And it's a full-time, full-time job. I'm technically part-time. Okay. Um, so you know, certain times of the year, maybe it's a little fuller yeah. than parts. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then, then on the flip side of that, there are times when it's kind of quiet. You yeah. Know? And you have more freedom to do other stuff right. like right. pursuing the rest of your dream. Now you are a singer in a band. Yes. <laughs> Woo. I did it. Um, yeah. <laughs> So you started you started writing. I met you years ago because um, a mutual friend of ours recommended me to. He was he's a bass player, but he was um, he was going to be playing guitar, so he needed a bass player. And he you said, were the hey, only guy in. that he trusted to do it. That, and it's high compliment from him. It's a high com <laughs> Mick Donner. Mm -hmm. It is it is truly a high compliment from him. Um, and. So that's that's how we met. You were writing, you know, you were that was your first CD at the time? It was my first um secular CD. First secular. Oh, yes. okay. I did I didn't record um a, a Christian album prior to that. I never knew that. I did. Um and there were a couple of original songs on that one too. I should play those every now and then. Yeah. They they kind of got swept under the carpet. Yeah. Yeah, I should uh, resurrect them. I <laughs> uh, see what I you guess, did there. See? Yeah. <laughs> uh so But so well now you now mm -hmm. you've written more stuff and now you're you're doing you know now you're playing gigs out in the real world. I was in, trying. I was trying to get to that point. Yes. Mm -hmm. At that point w when we met, I was Yeah. just uh, kind mm -hmm. of starting that path. Right. So what I want to ask is how, what was that transition like? How, how did you start getting those kinds of gigs? Cause now you can, now you do covers, but then you mix in your originals in there as well. Mm -hmm. So how did you get to that point? Well, I think it was, um, definitely like while my kids were little, cause I had babies, I 
they still have babies, but they're bigger now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, I wasn't able to, to do what I'm about to talk about, what your question is. I wasn't able to start like that whole gig trail um, when they were small. And so working at the church was, was enough at that time. Um, I did concerts, you know, here at the church, um, which would, I, I, I would play my original songs that I wrote that were on that first album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it wasn't until they were a little bit older that I could actually start to see that I could do more and I wanted to do more. Um, it was very hard, however, for a good year, maybe two, because the perception that everyone had of me was that I was the church lady. I was the church singer. (laughs) Uh And while I'm very proud of my work at the church, I wanted to tell these people, that's not all I do. (laughs) I can sing other stuff. I'm not going to show up at your pizza bar on a Friday night and sing How Great Thou Art. I promise. (laughs) I won't. I promise. I, I know what's appropriate here. So it definitely took a little while and, and some building and, and a lot of work and patience to, to get that first gig. I think the first gig I got was maybe at the country club, um, the Bel Air country oh, right. club, yeah. um, just with the piano player and myself. And so that started creating, um, a new perception, you know, and then, you know, on, on the work side of it, if you do that and you have a gig, then you've got to take some video of it and you've got to try to get people to see it and the right people to see it, the people who are going to hire you to do the next thing, the, the, the place that you really want to play. You know, the, the country club wasn't necessarily my dream gig. Um, it wasn't? No. <laughs> I mean, it was fine. And sure. It was nice, you know, it's close by and... Right, you know, but yeah, no, it wasn't like. That's not the I've end. I've been all. living my life for this moment. <laughs> I have made it. Right. Um. So it took a little. Um, it took some building, and and like I said, um, patience. Um, and I'm still building, and I'm still being patient at the same time as <laughs> being very focused and and go getter ish. What is? That's not a go word. Get, go go yeah, getterish. Go getterish. Right. I'm so go getterish. That's so me. <laughs> but so ambitious. Ambitious. Driven. Um, one of the things that I mean, this is a recurring theme in in everybody that I've talked to so far is the networking part of it. Mm-hmm. And you know, you do one gig and you meet this next person. You do another gig and you meet another person, or somebody hears you and recommends you, or you sub for somebody and they recommend you, or yes. so forth and so on. Um, how are you? How are you building your network now? I mean, everybody has to continue to do that. I don't think anybody can rest on their laurels as far as There's that. How no are you? Rest, no. What do you? <laughs> There's what no are you doing to to develop your network? Um, I'm really thankful that I, I can say after actively pursuing and working on this for a good six years um, in the Tampa Bay area, I feel that I've met so many of the right people and and so many talented people um, that 
Tampa Bay area, as you know, is really like um, overflowing with talent. Yeah. Um, which is really exciting. Um, I know that there are zillions of players out there that I haven't met yet that I probably should meet, that I want to meet. Um, but I feel that I have over time been able to meet the, the people that I want mostly to be working with that I work best for me, for my style of music, for my um, vibe for the whole bit. Cause it doesn't just end at how talented a player is. It's also, um, do you get along? Is the person nice? <laughs> do they show up on time? Do they have a good attitude? Um, that goes a long way too. And I've had some experiences over the years where maybe somebody didn't end up working out because not necessarily because of their talent, but because maybe non-musical factors. A non-musical yeah. factor. Yes. Um, and as far as continuing to network, I mean, every, every show I do, usually I end up meeting somebody, somebody comes up to me and says, Hey, I'm a drummer from, you know, Plant City or wherever. And, you know, so they see me or I go out and I try to go out. I don't get, get to go out as often as I want to because, um, because it's hard as a mom and wife um, with family. It's hard to go out if you're not actually working, mm -hmm. <laughs> even though that going out constitutes as working because that's the networking. Yes, it does to us, but not everybody sees it that way. They I've don't. learned. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's important too, just, um, going out and, and seeing other people play and introducing yourself. Um, right. I mean, and on a much larger picture, um, beyond the Tampa Bay area, um, I've been trying to grow my music base by going to, um, like songwriter workshops in Nashville, um, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and, and I've, I have a little network of friends now in Nashville. Um, I've also been blessed through the church to go on the, um, music conference in the summertime. It's uh, called NPM national pastoral musicians. And I didn't get to go this year, um, for scheduling reasons, but, um, that has opened the door to so many um, really important um, acquaintances and, and friendships musically for me. Um, people who are maybe helping me to do something beyond where I'm at right now. So, yeah. That's good. Yeah, it is good. So um, you started mentioning, you know, as a wife, as a mother... But now, just as a woman, this is a question I haven't been able to ask anybody yet that I've interviewed so far, but what what kind of um, uh, obstacles or resistance ha have you, and if so, what kind of resistance have you been met with from either promoters or venue owners or, or even musicians, you know, just because you're a woman? That's a good question. Um, I definitely feel that... Um, Aside from the whole church lady thing, right? right like okay. they, That's pigeonholing you right. in one sense. Right. 
but now just as a as a woman. I think there are some venues around town, and I won't mention any names, um, but I think there's some venues around town that just kind of want, you know, like that indie kind of young, cute guy, grunge kind of look, you know. They, they, they want like a, they want a, a man, they want a male singer up there or um, a, a guy that plays guitar, you know, and does all the... Solo guitar and the, singing kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Um, but they want a guy doing it. I mean, maybe, maybe some places, not yeah. all, because there's definitely sure. um, room for us girls in town. I'm not the only female singer in town. And I know that a lot, I know a lot of other female singers who do play and do solo gigs. Um, and they're getting plenty of work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, but maybe some places are not so much about, um, I don't know. I just feel like what I bring is kind of, is classy and maybe sometimes venues think it's too classy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Too classy. Okay. I don't know. It almost sounds like you haven't encountered a lot of it, which is good if our if our area of Tampa Bay is progressive enough to not have mm-hmm. to not have those kinds of mm-hmm. perceptions of women or, you know, restrictions on women. Yeah, I think you know, I mean there's a place for a female singer, you know. Um and if that's what they want, then I qualify. Yeah. I, I can do the job. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm female and I sing. Yeah. Female okay. singer right here. Uh-huh. Um, as far as other obstacles, um, you know, uh, sometimes I have felt maybe a little bit looked down upon by some of the musicians that were working for me um, because probably because I'm a girl and maybe they were just particularly chauvinistic in their own way, you know, but that's also kind of rare. That's rare. That's good. Yeah. That's a very good thing. It's happened a couple of times, so I'm not going to lie, but it's not like, I don't feel like it's holding me back. I don't feel like it's <laughs> destroying my yeah. overall chances of being successful. Um, so how have you been able to, uh, now you, you know, excuse me, having both sides of the, of your job now, how have you been able to balance the family life, the being a mom, which does take a lot of time, you know, especially you, I mean, you mentioned part of it in the beginning, your kids took up so much time that you couldn't really pursue Mm -hmm. the second half of your dream. Right. Now you are, now you can, how are you managing that? Absolutely. I mean, and when they were little, I didn't want to. Oh, okay. I mean, I wanted to be with them. I wanted to be home with them, and I had my part-time job at the church, so it wasn't. I wasn't just staying at home, which is also a very noble profession, the stay-at-home mom thing. I, I, I applaud all of the women who do that. Um, But when they, you know, started to become a little more independent, I started to feel like. Oh, where's Erica? It's me. It's my turn now. Yeah. And I wanted to get myself back. And that's how it all, you know, I started to to pursue that. Um, so balancing it, I mean, 
it's it can be difficult, but I can't complain. <laughs> I mean, everybody's busy. Um, you know, luckily I have a mom who is very supportive and she helps out a lot. Um, my husband is also very busy with his career. So there are often times when neither of us are able to do what it is that needs to be done. But we do have the help of my mom and and my kids are old enough now that unless they need a ride somewhere because they don't drive yet, yeah, <laughs> um, they can handle life for a few hours without us, you know, um, not to say that we're neglecting yeah. thing, but, but, you know, they become more independent and they have more things that they do. And my daughter, I mean, she dances four days a week for hours every time and she's barely ever home, you know, um, <laughs> and, and Carla's playing baseball. So they have their own things that they do and, and they understand that I have my work and sometimes my work, well, most of the times my work is on the weekends Yeah. when maybe we could be going out on the boat or spending time together or going to bush gardens or some other sort of family fun thing. Um, but there's also flexibility for me during the week to be the mom that goes on the field trip. You right, know, right. And and I, I drive them to school and pick them up from school every day, almost, mostly every day. So I'm with them for that part of their lives, you know. And if I have a gig at night, I make sure that I hit the grocery store real quick and I get some Publix fried chicken and mashed <laughs> potatoes, something that they can heat up themselves and it's ready so that they're not starving yeah. or eating um, goldfish for dinner. <laughs> Cause I'm not going to lie. That's happened. Um, <laughs> so it's definitely a balancing act, but, um, but I am woman. Hear me roar. <laughs> yeah. I got this. <laughs> very, very good. So, um, what is next for you? Um, you're still you're still writing, and you're still doing gigs. Yeah? Yes, yes. Tell me about tell me about that because I'm, you know, full disclosure. I'm on. I've I've been involved with your music for, like I said, for a few years, and this yes. latest thing. Thank you. Tell me, <laughs> you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for hiring me. You're welcome. <laughs> um, what is this next thing you're working on? Um, well, a couple things. Um, let's see, what should I talk about first? Um, I guess I'll talk about my recordings first. Um, so sometimes the recording process takes a really long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How long do we have to chat about this? Um, <laughs> do we have three and a half years, Tito? Uh, no. No, not that no, long. No, you don't. Okay. So... <laughs> Um, I did start a new project, um, almost three and a half years ago. Um, it's now finished and I'm just waiting on the physical product to come to my door in a fancy cardboard box from the F from the FedEx guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm waiting for right now. And I'm really excited. Um, why did it take so long? A whole bunch of reasons. Um, 
it shouldn't have taken that long. But when I started, I wasn't in a hurry. So there was that. It was everything was real spread out. Like every studio session, I'd schedule, you know, one every two weeks or once a month, or and it would just be an hour or two or something. So it just and it was fine. It was that's how I was doing it. Um, and then I kind of took a hiatus from the recording project because I decided to record a Christmas album and. That I did not take my time with because, as you know, I like yeah. to start recording Christmas albums on November 22nd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You lecture me about that every time. Why don't you start the Christmas project in January? Because you have, I know. you know, Christmas comes around every year. At, and you every have a, year. And now we know that you have a whole book of Christmas songs. I just songs. sing <laughs> Christmas songs all year long. I should be. Well, anyway, so we did that Christmas album, which was a lot of fun. And I really love that Christmas album a lot, Without the Snow. And I wrote an original song, which is on it. And that is Without the Snow, um, about wanting to be with your loved ones at Christmas time. So it definitely can speak to any listener. Um, and some covers as well of some of my favorite Christmas classics in our own fancy arrangements. Yeah. Um, so took some time off from the album that took three and a half years um, to do that Christmas album. And then finally get back to this album that is at hand and just some difficulties with the studio and, and I had to change studios and now I'm really happy that I finished it out with Joe Kosis at Blue Couch Studios. Um, he did an awesome job, but just that whole transition and everything just kind of took a long time. Um, so the album is called My Blue and it's a collection of original songs. Um, Oh, what do I want to say about it? Do you have a release date? You're just waiting for the FedEx. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, what's right now? What's September 12th? I mean, by mid-October, it should be Mid-October. Mm-hmm. So I think by the time people hear this, it will, it will be out, I think. That's exciting. <laughs> so exciting. I've been saying it's going to be out soon for so long now that soon seems like a distant And now we can say it. it's already memory. out. Go get it. Yay. <laughs> One of the songs from the album is out and um, on all of the music platforms, and that's called Some Rainy Day. And people can look that up, listen to it, stream it, download it. Wherever they get music. For $1.29 and support my music. That would be awesome. Um, so that, that particular song from this collection is available. Um, in general, the album is very... Um, uh, centered around love and also it has like a bluegrassy country mm, indie kind of feel. Bluegrassy country. Country indie. Yeah. Mostly All country. Syllables that end with E. E. Okay. For Desegli. Yeah. So where <laughs> where can we um where can we find you? Where do we find this album? Where do we mm-hmm. find your gigs? Where do we follow Erica so, Desegli. Erica Desegli music.com is my website. And I have um, a personal Facebook page and also a musician Facebook page, Erica Desegli, singer songwriter. Um, I'm on Instagram and I have 
Reverb Nation, if anybody ever goes there. It's actually really um, a wonderful and helpful tool, I think, for musicians. I think all musicians should have a Reverb page yeah. um, because you can connect it so that um, it's all um, coordinated with your website and with your Facebook page. And so like everything that comes from your website kind of goes through there and, and everywhere else. Okay. Yeah. And it gets pushed out to all your social yeah. media and yeah, stuff. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, and, and that's where you can, that's where they can find like a schedule mm-hmm. where to see you on your website mm-hmm. or on reverb nation. Mm-hmm. It's all there. It's all there. So as far as where to see me next, well, that's the second part of the answer to the question that you asked. What's next? Um, I've really been visualizing and setting my sights towards bringing my music beyond the Tampa Bay area. Um, I really want to be performing um, elsewhere <laughs> as well. <laughs> not not to say I'm not saying I don't like to. I love Tampa Bay, and um, but I want to bring my music um, to a, a larger audience. Um, in performance halls and sure. maybe cute little wineries or, <laughs> and I love to travel too. So I feel that that's um, just, uh, there's so much opportunity there to grab my love for travel and pair it up with performing, love for music. Yeah, you know? Um, so I've really been visualizing that and seeing that and, and then just recently, I was on vacation in the Keys, and I went to a yoga class. And before the yoga class, was speaking with the women who were there, just um, you know, small talk. And they were asking me, "Where am I from? What do I do?" And I said, "Well, I'm a singer." And the one lady said, "You're a singer?" I said, "Yes, I am." <laughs> and she was so excited, and she goes. Well, do you do you like go places when you sing? Well, yeah, I'll, I'll go places. And she said, "I need somebody f- <laughs> for this event that I'm hosting." And she owns the art gallery that's there in town, and they have this big event where the whole town comes. And um, anyway, the the girl who was supposed to play for her had literally just canceled the night before. Wow. And. So the next thing I know, I'm giving her my business card and we're working out a deal for me to come and perform at her show. And I was like, this is great because this is what I want to do. And this one just fell into my lap. And so it kind of felt like a sign to me, you know, that this is, maybe this is going to happen, you know? I mean, it's just one. Yeah, I know it's just one, but it's like it's the beginning to me. Mm-hmm. In my mind, it's like the beginning. the The journey of a thousand steps starts with one. Start with one. one. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I recently just also got um, an acceptance email. Um, so through Reverb Nation, you have the opportunity to apply for. Um, all kinds of things like spots on radio stations or um, performance spots at various festivals, who, like everywhere, all over the world. Um, and you can go through and, and select which ones you want to um, apply to. And that's cool. Um, so I apply to them all the time. <laughs> yeah. All the time. And almost always I get the email back 
Thank you for your submission. <laughs> we had a lot of tough choices to make, and unfortunately, you were not chosen at this time. Those are the emails I usually get. I just got one that said, congratulations, you were selected for the Songwriter Showcase. And that's another thing that's in um, DeLand, Florida. So it's like I'm seeing just in two weeks' time two things. Not to say that they fell on my lap because I've been working really hard for this for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think it's totally like luck or coincidence, you know, but um, yeah. I, I keep so. seeing this, um, this quote and I don't know who it's by, but it's um, the harder I work, the luckier I get. It's That's that kind of <laughs> so true. That's so true. Yes. Yeah. You you have to do the work to to get the gig. And, you know, the book that you re recommended, and I'm reading it, and it's great, um, The Big Gig um, by Zorro. Like, also just the being prepared so that, you're ready for that moment when, when it does happen, something yeah. happens, mm -hmm. you know, um, you need to be ready to play your songs or sing a song for somebody, you know, if they want to hear you and they say, Oh, I want to hire you for this thing next Saturday, sing me something. And you're like, uh, <laughs> I don't know any songs. Right. Well, you're not going to get hired. Right. So you have to be ready. Um, so it's been really inspiring to read that, um, you know, a lot of quotes, like the one you just mentioned. That might actually be... Is it from there? From that book, yeah. I don't know if I got to that chapter yeah. yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. well, this this was great. Thanks for um, thanks for talking Thank to me. Thank you. And talking to the people. The people. The people. We love all the people. Yeah. We, we do this because we love music and we love doing it but also because we want to share the gift of music that's right with all the people excellent thanks erica thank you we do this because we love the music and we want to share the gift of music with the people it's so true that was Erica DeSegli. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this interview. And sadly, while it is the middle of October, the album is not out yet. That FedEx guy got lost. He never showed up. <laughs> and it's not on uh, the digital platforms just yet. It's just a little bit longer um, while, um, while she finishes up some of the details of it. She did mention a book that I have posted about uh it's called the big gig it's by a guy named zorro the drummer i actually don't know his real name uh, you can look it up i can look it up just as easily too i just don't know it off the top of my head but zorro the drummer was uh was um the drummer for new edition and then bobby brown in fact i think he shows up or an actor shows up playing him in the new bobby brown movie that's supposed to be coming out but uh, I heard about the book from a friend of mine, Matt Pointer, uh, and you know he talked about it. I went and read it, and it's really, really good. I do recommend it that you go and find it on all of their own platforms. I also recommend that you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Please hit subscribe on whichever platform. We're talking about, I guess th this is... 
this is the time to talk about all the digital platforms. Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, the website, which is musicgrindpodcast.com. Uh, the the Instagram is Music Grind Podcast. The email is Music Grind Podcast at Gmail. There's a little trend happening, right? Uh, so rate and review the the uh, podcast. Leave comments. Send me an email. Send comments on Instagram or uh, or, or slide into my DM. Know what I mean, nah, I mean, if you want to hit me up, me personally. TDV music. I put up um, music videos. I put up some pictures, although I haven't put anything up in about two weeks. But I I do stuff there, and you can get a hold of me tdvmusic.com or the Instagram tdvmusic. Um, well, there it is. That's it for today. Uh, the next episode will be in about two weeks, and um, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It's uh, it's someone that I've tried. I tried to get him on the podcast about a year ago. Scheduling didn't work out, but it did work out this time, and it's uh, it's great. So, everybody out there, stay safe, and thanks for listening. <laughs>